Welcome to Nurturing Bright Futures, the higher education podcast for teachers and advisors, brought to you by UEA. Each month, we provide the latest information you need to guide your students through their journey to university, plus hints and tips to help support you in your work. We know you're busy, so we keep each episode to around 20 minutes, just long enough for a cup of coffee. So, pop the kettle on and let's get started. Hi, and welcome back to Nurturing Bright Futures. I'm Alex, and this month I'm joined by Beth. Hi, Beth. Hi. Now, Beth, you've been busy chatting to lots of our teachers and advisors since term kicked off. So I was just wondering what seems to be on people's minds at the moment. Worth saying, first of all, everyone's feeling a little bit overwhelmed and like they've got stuff to catch up on. So please don't worry if that's how you're feeling. Alongside, that's how your students are probably feeling as well. So many of them are coming back feeling a little bit panicked when it comes to particularly choosing a course for going to university. So even if they've done some research over the summer, they've not had a chance to talk it through with a teacher or advisor. So we're finding they're coming back a little bit overwhelmed, which is is difficult because they're overwhelmed even under normal circumstances. Mm, There are 35,000 different courses to choose from on UCAS. So it's already something that's a little bit scary. Um, been talking to teachers about how to help their students through these things. You could signpost them to us. We're doing lots of um, webinars. We've got lots of resources to choose from. But I think it's initially about going back to basics, covering where do I start? What should I do to compare courses? So talking to students about A-level, IB, BTEC subjects and how they relate to the degree subjects or reminding them that they don't necessarily have to study something at university that they've already studied. They can really think outside of the box. Whilst it can feel overwhelming, it's it's better to take that kind of like emotion and, and use it as excitement, get them to click on some links to some courses that they've never heard of before and see things that jump out at them because we know they don't have to have studied. So, for example, law students don't have to have done an A-level in law. We've got other subjects like um american studies things like that actuarial sciences get them to click on things and just read through them and see if anything jumps out at them in terms of choosing three key questions we always ask students to go over with themselves and it's it's really time for them to be really honest with themselves and to have quite a mature conversation um, they need to think about what do they enjoy they have got to love this subject they're going to be studying it for a minimum of three years what are they doing now Are they doing the right um, courses that match up to the entry requirements? You would hope they would have looked at that beforehand, but you'd be surprised. And most importantly, what are you good at? They have got to have a natural aptitude for these courses that they're looking at. Um, It can't really be something that they're really having to drag themselves to study and really, really struggling with. Students can do that, but we do find that they tend to struggle a little bit at university because it is a jump in terms of what they're expected to study and how they're expected to study. Brilliant. And so obviously, you know, we've said lots on this podcast that that you guys as HE advisors can offer those sort of choosing courses and things. We can do those as webinars and recordings, but also just to flag that we've got a new resource that will help students with choosing. Yes. So we've got our new choosing document. A lot of you will have seen our personal statements booklet. It's it's very similar to that in terms of how it works. It's very interactive. Students are talked through each part of the process and asked to question certain things. It's a really amazing tool that we've created that a student can start it with an idea and come out with a completely different idea, or they can start it not knowing what they want to do at all. And by the end of it, they will have some firm ideas 
to go away and research more or to go straight into their UCAS application. It really is brilliant. Nurturing Bright Futures, the higher education advice podcast for teachers and advisors. Brought to you by UEA. So now we're joined by Sally Hondam from our medical school at UEA. Sally, could you just introduce yourself to the teachers for us, please? Hi, yes, I'm a lecturer in medicine and the widening participation academic officer for the medical school at UEA. I'm also the senior advisor and disability liaison officer for the gateway year. So Sally, could you summarise the gateway year for us, please, and explain the benefit and what students get out of it? Absolutely. So our gateway year is a what we call a widening access programme. So this is for students that may have had some educational barriers. And we are just one of about 20 med schools that have these gateway years. So they are, if you think of it as a pre-year to year one of medicine, um, and they provide um, a foundation of learning in key areas that will take the student from if they successfully pass that year into year one of their medis- uh, medical degree at university. So the entry requirements are slightly lower. If I give ours as an example, there's specific entry requirements and what we call an attainment eight score. So the students have to meet those entry requirements. And then there's some other data such as household income and polar data. The A-levels are slept slightly lower. So traditionally we think of medicine as sort of A A levels, um, A grades, but for the gateway year for us, it's three Bs or A, B, C in any subject. And there's a couple of exceptions. So this is where it's really important to get students to look up exactly the entry requirements of universities. So for example, for us, we accept any subject, but we don't accept general studies or critical thinking, but any other A levels, three Bs at um, ABC or or the Bs. We also accept the BTEC extended diploma. So that's a DDM level. And they also need six GCSEs. But again, those are at B levels or above and English and maths required for that and a single or double science. It's really important to stress that med schools do vary. So it's really important students have a look at the entry requirements. But there's a great tool on a website called the Medical Schools Council, and it's a comparison tool. So students can look at that and see what medical schools are offering um, so that they know. The idea of our gateway year as an example is, so if the student's got a B, let's say they did do biology and they got a B level, they'll study biology for the whole of their gateway year. So they'll do an introduction to biology semester one and then further biology semester two. So they're really getting up to that next A level grade for biology as a really good grounding. Then this year is really exciting. It's our new gateway year. So we have three other modules so we've got one called introduction to issues in healthcare and this is where our problem-based learning um, sits and our selected student study where they get to research a particular area they're interested in we have introduction to clinical medicine so in that in semester two they actually get um, to experience some clinical hands-on practice gp placement working as a healthcare assistant and hopefully some secondary care placement too And that really gets them ready for year one. And then we've also got a new introduction to psychosocial aspects of health. So the psychology that sits along medicine is really important. People's social um, determinants that really affect their health are really important too. So it's a really exciting year this year because we've got some brand new modules that the students can study. 
in terms of other foundation programs we have at the university, it's really a precursor to university. And we actually find that those students end up sometimes doing better overall because although they might not have had the same entry requirements as students getting into first year, they've had this setting them up on uh, to how to study at the level they're going to at first year. So we do end up finding they do better off overall. Is that the same with the gateway students have you found? Absolutely. I think the key thing that I notice is, is their confidence grows. So for some of them, I'll talk about our medical aspirations. I may have worked with them from year 12 mm. and I see them over that gateway year and then into year one really growing confidence. And that's great because they just get that grounding. They feel more confident because they've had that starter. So when they start year one, they understand and very familiar a with the campus, with how assessments work with you know, all the support that's on campus for them. They understand things like we said, problem-based learning, PBL, they've already had that for a year and also selective student study, they've had that as well. And those two are key themes that follow through one to five, certainly in our degree. So they are really familiar. And I think that gives them confidence as well, that they, they know how these things work. They will look slightly different, obviously, as they go through, but the concepts are there um, and they've, they, they understand how the, the modules run and what they need to do to pass them. So in terms of entry requirements for medicine, work experience is usually quite a big part of that and students put a lot of effort into gathering as much as that as they can. Now obviously it's very different this year, we've got coronavirus kind of changing everything and we've got a lot of students that are worried that they haven't been able to do things over the summer that would have helped them get into medicine school um, and fill out their personal statements. So it's been a real leveller for everyone. What advice would you give to students that are worried about their work experience and that they haven't been able to get as much done as they would have hoped? Well, I think the key thing that you just touched on there, everybody's in the same boat this year. So obviously, because of COVID-19, people haven't been able to get that experience. But there's been masses of resources that have been put together by the Medical School Council um, to help students actually get some experience in a virtual world. So I think I would signpost them to, I say the, the key thing is not to worry because everybody's in the same position, but getting across that work experience is important. And the key thing is it helps students understand the profession. So they're, they're starting to understand what the profession is and the people skills that are needed and the values and attributes of a doctor are needed. And that's what work experience is all about. Yeah. So the Med School Council website, um, which is medschools.ac.uk, they have a tab called Studying Medicine. And on that tab is a huge list of resources. There's basically a info sheet and some of them have videos for every point of entry into medicine. And one of them is called Work Experience. And they have alongside that put this COVID-19 guidance. They put it together very early on in the start of, of all the pandemic, recognizing that work experience wasn't gonna happen this year. So. Within that document, there are some free uh, resources. One of them is being, has been put together by Brighton and Sussex Medical School, and it's a free virtual work experience course, and it explores several um, different medical specialities. So they cover six areas of medicine, and they look at those things I just mentioned about values, skills, and attributes. Um, there's a presentation on patients and there's a reflective piece at the end that they can they can do and get feedback on and get a certificate of participation so by doing that they've got you know they've done some work experience and it gives them that insight into medicine that you know currently they're not getting 
And then there's also another great resource that the Royal College of GPs has put together, an interactive platform that's called Observe GP. And that highlights all the different aspects of working in primary care, working in a GP practice. And that contains eight videos across the team. And it's important, this one particularly, it's not just about working as a GP, because as we know, a GP practice is made up of lots of different multidisciplinary team members. So within that, there are consultations with patients as a patient and clinician consultation. And there's some breakdown of terminology that's at that sort of undergraduate level that they'll understand. And again, lots of activities and reflections are within that. So these are two great resources that we're signposting students to. The other thing, with all of that said, with work experience, the key thing is not just listing what they've done, but actually, you know, how did they feel about it, analysing mm. it? So the reflection is really important, um, especially when they're thinking about personal statements. So it's capturing down what they did and then how did that make them feel? It might be something they, that they saw in one of the videos. Some of it they might analyse and think well, that was good or not so good. And then think about it from a patient's perspective as well. Mm. And then think about, you know, actually that reflection on that experience and they can feed that into their personal statement. So, yeah, I think in the years before, I've read personal statements where a student has literally just listed things like I shadowed a doctor for two weeks. It's like, well, that's great, but you, you really do need to unpack that. We can't read exactly. between the lines for you. <laughs> no. And the thing is, you say what happened. So you, you put the facts there. But how, you know, how did that make you feel? And what did you learn from that? So it could be that they were with a doctor, like you just said, and they had a great experience and they loved the way that that doctor talked to a patient. So mm -hmm. instead of just saying, well, I witnessed some great communication, but be specific. What did they witness? And then reflecting on it and saying, actually, that's how I would like to be. That's how I would like to practice. But why? You know, did they listen? Did they speak clearly? Did they make it in simple language so that it's really getting across what they observed, but they're analysing that too? So I think the message to take away from that is, although I don't imagine we would struggle with any med students because they're so keen, but whilst admissions are going to be understanding that students haven't been able to do as much, there's still no excuse for them having done nothing, is there really, no. when such amazing resources like that exist? Absolutely. And there are still volunteering um, opportunities. So there's a great website um, called doit.org, so do-it.org, and you can put in your local area and how close you want the volunteering. And there's now one that says, or do it from home, because there's lots of things that they can also do from home and just see what things are available. I had a little go with it earlier to see what was in my <laughs> area, and it's amazing how many things are there. So it, it, the key thing is it doesn't have to be health related. It can be just showing that it's working with people, working in a team, you know, seeing how people communicate with others. It's those people skills and values mm. that they yeah. really need to get across. Yeah, it's how you unpack the skills and talk about how it links back to the course, isn't it? Because we will often get students who are just so worried they can't get anything in a health setting. But then, for example, you learn that they've had a year's worth of experience working in a supermarket and, and there's yeah. so much they could unpack in that. They just don't realise that they can. So, no. And that's yeah. really, you know, anything like that, working with people, supermarkets, retail, waitressing, you know, anything, volunteering, all of those are people interactions. There's a really good, I keep saying this website, but there's a really good <laughs> tool on there called um, Values, Core Values. 
and it lists you know what are the key skills and attributes needed to study medicine and be a doctor and some of them they'll hit already so motivation to study is a key one why are they interested and why do they want to do medicine the ability to reflect as we just mentioned they'll be doing that all the way through gcses and a levels being organized problem solving academic ability all of these things they'll hit already one one example that comes up a lot for me is a student will have a musical hobby so they might be fantastic let's say at the violin or the piano and they've got to grade seven or eight and they just don't recognize that <laughs> that is actually something they because it's nothing to do with medicine mm. but, but but having studied that for so long shows so many skills of perseverance practice dedication motivation so and they'd often do forget those they often sort of just miss them because they're not health related so then another thing I know medicine students often end up having quite a bit of anxiety around is the interview process. What kind of advice would you have in terms of preparing for that, Sally? Well, I think, you know, they've done lots of learning in that work experience. And the thing is to practice actually articulating what they're going to say. So a lot of it has been written until that point. And it sounds a bit silly, but I always say to them, stand in front of a mirror and practice saying it out loud when nobody's around in the house and really see how do you sound. So if you're asked, why do you want to do medicine? You're ready with your answer and you've practiced it and said it a few times. So just practice and articulating it out loud, I think is a top tip. I agree. We encourage them to do that as well. No matter how cringeworthy it is, it'll yes. be <laughs> worth it in the long run. Subscribe to our podcast now and make sure you never miss another episode. We do have things on offer in terms of year 12s as well, don't we? So we've got our medical aspirations programme. Could you talk us through the sorts of things they do on that and how that benefits them? Absolutely. So we have an outreach programme called Medical Aspirations at UEA. And it's quite strict criteria. So they have to live in our area, sort of Norfolk, Suffolk, Cambridge, Peterborough, and some areas selected in Essex. They have to have the right GCSEs needed for a medical course, because obviously they need to be on that sort of pathway for that. And then we have some widening participation criteria. This is just one example of an outreach programme. So for ours, when they come on the programme, they start in year 12, we start them in the February of that year, and they will get to meet us, we get introduce them to what the course is about, they'll get to do some um, hands on activities. So we'll do a PBL session, we might do some practical sessions with them, we do some anatomy with them. Um, and then they'll get to meet and work, be alongside med students, so they can ask them all the time as they're going through the um, <laughs> activities you know what's it really like you know when we're when they're able to ask them you know what's it like studying and is it going to you know things like is it going to be too much to study and how do you balance yeah. it getting a good all of those questions that they want to ask they get those opportunities and then they get um, an opportunity to have an e-mentor so our med students are fantastic at being mentors to them they can sign up to be an e-mentor so all the way through until their application and interview they can touch base with their mentors if they've got worries or just want help with things we offer an opportunity to do GP placements in the summer and then we run a UCAT day and a, a personal statement day where we give them an opportunity to actually sit it in sort of exam conditions, do a bit of prep in the morning. Um, and then we end the programme with mock interviews in the autumn. So that's just an example of our programme. But there are opportunities. Other med schools will have outreach programmes. So it's really important. Have a look at the you know, medical school websites. Is there anything in your area? The nearest university, have they got any outreach programmes? Because lots do offer these sort of programmes now as well. The other thing is local hospitals. That's a good place to look for work experience. They will often do outreach programmes actually from the hospitals. 
the deadline for our applications are coming up soon. I think it is it's 26th of November, is that 26th right? 26th of November, yeah. yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, thank you, Sally. That's absolutely brilliant. I'm sure that's really, really helpful to all of the teachers. You're welcome. It's great to talk to you. Email schools at uea.ac.uk to find out what we can do to support your school. Thanks to Sally and to Beth for joining us this month. Loads of information there, so I hope you found it useful. I'll post all the links that were mentioned in the show notes, along with a link to that new choosing document that Beth mentioned. So do check those out and obviously just give us a shout if uh, you have any questions. Otherwise, take care and we'll see you next month. That's it for this month's episode of Nurturing Bright Futures. We would absolutely love to hear from you. To book a visit, make a suggestion or ask us a question. Drop us a line at schools at uea.ac.uk. Thanks for joining us.